Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast with me as your host, Carrie Jordan Barrett. This is a podcast devoted to incorporating ancient ways into our contemporary lives and enlivening the physical world with spirit. I hope that this episode will enable you to open a portal to remembering your unique ancient wisdom. It is my honor to hold this place together and hear stories and teachings from our relations. Before we begin, I like to make a prayer and call in our benevolent guides. We humbly give thanks for your assistance and support today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Hey, this is Carrie. Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast. This episode, I'm sharing my my interview with Mikozi Najizer. She is a shaman initiated in South Africa. And I'm going to read her bio here so that you can get to know her a little bit before we dive into the interview. And first, I just want to say that I came across... Mikozy, we're both in a business program together, and I, I actually think I came across Mikozy before I found out that she was in this program with me, and I just felt really drawn to her, and she has a lot of YouTube videos if you want to go check those out, and she just has this presence that's, that felt very magnetic to me, and so I reached out to her, and I'm honored and excited that I get to host her on this podcast. So here is her bio. Through shamanic DNA activation and energetic alignment, Makozi assists soul-seeking clients who desire to discover their purpose, decode their essence, and break through the blocks, keeping them from creating limitless abundance and paralleled freedom and exceptional impact. Pause. (laughs) Excuse my stuttering. It's kind of late at night and I have a hard time reading out loud at this time. (laughs) Moving on. She is a spiritual guide and authentic shaman that helps high achievers fulfill their highest potential using mindset, mindfulness, and metaphysics mastery. While preparing for med school, Makozi soared up to the top 1% of consultants in a $250 million direct sales company. After reaching the top, her world was shattered as she realized that what society defines as success was not fulfilling. She knew that there had to be something she was missing, a revelation that launched her shamanic journey. Makozi spent three years traveling back and forth between the U.S. and West Africa during her initiation into ancient Egyptian spirituality through the Dogon Mystery Schools of High Priest Naba Lamusa Morodenabig. And we talk about in the interview how this was not an easy task because Makozi at the time had a very young child. And she, this was just something that she had to do. Moving on, the experience changed the paradigm of her perspective about life and spirituality. In the following year, her ancestors led her through dreams and synchronicities to complete a series of seven more initiations, tests, and trials in South Africa, which culminated in her becoming a fully initiated Sangoma Zulu shaman. Under Makozi Singh, the spiritual daughter of Gogo Fakafi. Now she bridges ancient spiritual wisdom in a modern practical way that resonates with people from all walks of life. She applies fundamental spiritual truths to help high achievers consciously create satisfying success in the real world. The wisdom she shares is all-inclusive, non-religious, and practical. Her clients walk away with a completely different perspective on their life and the world, Working with Makozi allows them to obtain the tools they need to be happy, successful, and fulfilled spiritual beings, having a soul-filled human experience. Ready to learn more about how... Okay. Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast, Makozi. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. 
I've, I'm so excited too. I've been following your work for a while and so curious about your story and all of your initiations that your guides have guided you on and also how you bring this traditional, your traditional medicine and your traditional um, wisdom to our contemporary world, because it seems to me that you have a really practical way of applying everything that you've learned from your elders. So I can't wait to dive in here. Yeah. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about your, um, your priest who you initially started working with in Africa and also just kind of like how you got there and how you became the Makosi that you are today. I'd love to oh hear my gosh. the story. Well, once upon a time, a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't that long ago. Um, no, but I um, really, after graduating from college, I went out in the work in the workspace, went out in the corporate world, um, corporate meaning I was a manager at Target. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I had a young son and I started to realize um, that I had been sold this idea that this, this picture of life. So after that, I ended up um, leaving that position and started in direct sales, which I find is a really um, common thing that that people do when they start having this kind of um, rebellion against (laughs) the system, I guess. They start finding ways to um, find freedom, right? And I thought that that was financial freedom. So in this direct sales company, um, I ended up soaring to the top of the company, like within nine months. And next thing I know, I'm getting, you know, flown to Vegas and all the free trips and, you know, the designer bags and the parties and all of those fun things that kind of come along with with being a top sales consultant. And I still realized that something was was missing. I was like, this this isn't this can't be all. So I always had spiritual gifts, but I don't know. I guess growing up, I was just like, I don't have time for this because my mom was a single mom. So I was like, I, my mom's a single mom. Um, I grew up in Southern West Virginia, very small town. So it was like, okay, if you want to do something with yourself, you've got to like focus on achievement. You've got to get the great grades. You've got to be, you know, top of your class. You've, you've got to stay focused on the books, right? The very typical way of going about things. So um, as I was in this direct sales company and I started asking the universe uh, to show me who I am, simple question, who am I? But with the, with no attachments to where am I going? Where is this going to end up? Um, And I allowed myself to step into more of a surrender mode. And so when I started asking that question, some really crazy um, synchronicities happened, serendipitous things conspired, um, and the universe brought me to um, originally the very first um, experience that I had was um, an initiation into the ancient Egyptian or Kemetic spiritual system through the Dogon of West Africa. And so they had, um, there was a man who came here from there and um, had started an initiatic school. So I spent three years in that initiation process. um, And part of it was going there, (laughs) going to West Africa. Um, So I traveled through four countries there during that initiation. And I went two different times for a few months each time. Wow. So what, just to clarify, was the Dogon 
man who was teaching you about this, he was teaching an Egyptian tradition or the Dogon tradition? Okay, so... Or was it like a mix? Yeah, so there's not really separation. And that's one of the things that okay. a lot of people don't realize is that um, many of the um, ancient African traditions are variations. So essentially the way that we have this understanding is that there was a time in the world that we had one unified spiritual system. It's just that every tribe had their perspective on that system, right? And so you could say that it was a comedic system. You could say it was um, animist, um, shamanic system, where essentially everyone interacts with um, both the physical and the non-physical aspect of reality, or that um, God exists within all these different aspects of reality. Mm. So, um, from the perspective of, is it one or the other? It isn't, it's both. So we could even see the interconnectedness of all, all of the spiritual systems and each one has its own unique flavor based on, you know, who the people are and the environment that they're in. And, um, you know, they, they develop their own customs and traditions, et cetera. But at the core, they're all really the same. Mm, that makes a lot of sense to me. And when you said that, I'm getting this image of that, that that's true. And I think you might've even said this of not only true of Africa, but also true of the entire world. Because yes. when, we, when we look at those native indigenous worldviews, they're all very, very similar. And the cosmologies are very, very similar. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. great. Thanks for clarifying that. So back to, back to you and your story. So yeah, you so did, did this in, initiation with him. Yes. Well, not with him. So he, he had passed away um, a few years before, but he had students who, of course, he had brought up and they had become teachers themselves um, and had established schools um, in various places. And one of them just happened to randomly be West Virginia. It was the only random one because <laughs> wow. all the others are like in bigger cities. Um, and there was just <laughs> randomly one in southern west virginia which <laughs> um but anyway when all of that like kind of conspired to happen um and i was invited to attend by my by this previous english professor of mine who was like one of my favorite professors um and we had found each other on facebook which was weird because he doesn't even do social media <laughs> <laughs> um but I knew whenever I went in, I was like, I've ne I had never had that feeling before of like being in, I, I just looked at my husband and I was like, I'm home. I'm, I'm fine. I finally feel like I'm in the right place at the right time. Like all, all of my life has been conspiring to put me on this path. And so I went through that initiation um, and eventually I ended up leaving after I graduated, got my name, Hafisa Najazer, um, completed that, that part. And then that's when it really became time for me to step into my personal calling. And so about a year or so before I ended up going to South Africa to initiate, I had dreamed of my teacher um, I didn't know her. I had never seen her, but I had dreamed of her first. Um, and then this really insane, again, <laughs> really <laughs> kind of crazy synchronicity things happened. Um, and I was dealing with what we call the calling sickness. And, um, I was really struggling with a migraine one night 
And all of a sudden, I literally was like, you know what? I don't know who, who is listening. <laughs> I don't know. But ancestors, guides, like whoever is listening right now, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what I have to lose. I don't care how much money it takes. I like just make this stop right now. I will do anything. And I meant it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I fully meant it. And as soon as I let that last word fall out of my mouth, all of a sudden my phone went ding. And it was this woman who <laughs> was like, hey, are you a healer? And I was like, oh, snap. I know that I'm supposed to become one, <laughs> but I'm not. Um, so then we ended up talking and I was like, I, I literally dreamed you like a year ago, <laughs> but I thought it was me because we look very similar. Um, so anyway, I checked in with my ancestors and guides. Um, everything went okay. So I started my initiation um, long distance and then um, all of it had to culminate. Um, so that process was about six months and it all culminated with me traveling to South Africa and I completed seven, seven initiations there physically um, during that like month that I was there. It was intense. I'm really enjoying hearing about all of these synchronicities. A couple of them were that this took place in West Virginia, which was just weird because that's not really a place that a lot of stuff happens. Nothing <laughs> um, happens there. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and your old English teacher found you on Facebook, even though he doesn't use Facebook. And the ding after your migraine. So... When you were talking about the, um, what did you call it? The migraine that you were dealing with? It was like the... The calling sickness. Calling sickness. So can you yeah. share a little bit more about that? I can kind of like um, ex assume what I think it is, but I'd love to hear it. you speak to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so one of the kind of hallmarks um, of someone before they are to become um, a shaman is... Um, a certain illness, and there's various um, expressions of it, but my specific expression of it started when I was about 16. So um, rewind a little bit. Um, whenever I was 15, my best friend was murdered. Hmm. And that, that happened on a Friday, the, and they pulled the plug the next day. And that Saturday, so that day that they pulled the plug, she appeared at the ed end of my bed. And that was the first time, like before that I had seen spirits and I had always like brushed them off as like, um, you're not really seeing that. That's just, you know, your mind, or I would be seeing something happen to someone, or I would be, um, reading someone's energy and know all sorts of things about them. And I had brushed it off because I'm like a kid and I'm like, no, that's not even real. But that day, seeing her there and she was just, I mean, it was literally like anyone else was there. That was when I knew that I wasn't crazy, that she literally was there and mm -hmm. she laughed at the end of my bed. So shortly after that, was when um, I started experience, experiencing what we call the calling sickness. And um, it all started off with um, very weird accidents. So I fell off the back of a stage first. That was like the first thing that happened. Um, and ended up injuring myself in a very weird way um, and started to have more of these weird incidents and accidents happening um, and then I started developing a certain kind of sickness. Um, at first it was mental. And so um, 
you know, my mom was like, you've been through some stuff. I'm going to take you to see a psychologist. And, and the psychologist Mm -hmm. recommended me seeing a psychiatrist. And of course they were like, here's some drugs. (laughs) Yeah. You're not sane. (laughs) Wow. Um, So they, you know, put me on all sorts of drugs that, that just did not make me feel like myself. And then, um, I started to have very weird symptoms like this deep body ache Mm. all over my, my entire body. And sometimes I would be lying in bed, just screaming because the pain Mm. wouldn't stop. And it wasn't like just in my joints. It was literally deep. It was in my bones, um, which is a hallmark of some of these things because the ancestors are in the bones as we would say. Um, Also uh, random things with um, my weight and also um, with my cycle and bleeding for just crazy amounts of time and having these weird things happening and no doctors being able to um, diagnose me. So at the peak of it, at the, at the worst, they thought, this is cancer. Wow. And I'm, I was seeing three different specialists a week. Lost, you know, sometimes I'd lose just 18 pounds in a month. My body temperature was running at 96, like 96.4, like insanely low, but for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my tests would come back normal. But then once I went through the initiatic process, those things, those things resolved themselves. Wow. Yeah. I've heard some people, I've never, I've never heard someone speak about it manifesting in their body in this way, but I have heard about um, things like when, when a person is not initiated that, life initiates can initiate you with you know tragedies or things that car accidents or things that like have you force you to go to the next phase of your life or to change something about your life um but yeah i I don't think i've heard about it manifesting in this way physically yeah i think there's so many because we're, we're using english because we have to use English and there's limitations. There's so much limitation that's just built into the language where sometimes we speak about certain things and they actually are different concepts. Mm -hmm. So we use the word initiation and initiation just means like education, right? Mm -hmm. It's just an education. So when we utilize the word initiation, like, you know, this car accident initiated me or I, I became a mom. And, I, and so I went through that initiation of motherhood, um, et cetera. It's, it's essentially marking one phase of your life into the next one chapter into the next. Right. Um, but what we're talking about whenever we are talking about it, an indigenous initiation, right. Um, it's not just a physical I mean, it's not just a, a thing that like happened and then we learn something from it. There's, you know, the ceremonial aspect of it. It, it happens in the body. So um, from our perspective and our understanding, there's almost, I mean, I'm not saying always, I'm sure that there are people that have had just like mental situations, et cetera. Um, but it's a very in the body thing because we understand that ancestors are in the DNA. They're they're literally in the body. And based off of what happens in the body during that calling sickness, we can even identify what spirits it is because different spirits affect different aspects of the body. So, you know, there's just so many, so much um, nuance. Yeah, nuance that sometimes I think when we say like, I went through an initiation, so many people look at these phases of their life as initiatic and they definitely are. 
they always are. And all of us are always in initiation, in, you know, expanding into the next version of ourselves, right? We're, we're always in initiation. But when we're talking about a shamanic initiation, um, it isn't just like something that happens in, in the spirit realm or that we learn to grow, et cetera. There's actual steps and there's actual thing, you know, there's actual things that we do physically, some of which are very, very arduous, very difficult. Um, and um, in Africa specifically, but I've also talked to others who have undergone similar things and, um, and they have resonated with, with what I'm saying that these initiations are, are not an easy, like cute ceremony. They're very, very hard and not everyone lives through them. That's how hard they are. Right. It's like an ordeal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying hearing you talk about how the ancestors are in our bones and in our DNA. Um, it's bringing, I'm, I'm having this just visceral experience as you're speaking about that. And um, I think my curiosity is with your ancestors and you, well, I'll kind of throw out a bunch of things that are going through my mind right now and you can just choose whatever yeah. you want to, whatever, uh, whatever rabbit hole you want to take us down. So um, let's see. Yeah. So I'm curious about what you, about your relationship with your ancestors from when your body was hurting did you know that that was your ancestors or did you learn kind of in hindsight? Oh, that's what that was. Also. Um, I'm curious about when you initially had all of those synchronicities that, that came together to bring you to South Africa were you in relationship with your ancestors at that time or do, has your relationship with them built um, throughout your life as a shaman and as an initiate? And also that brings me to this thought and question about um, how it was for you growing up. Like <clears throat> did your mother share with you about your ancestors or is she, um, initiated in in any particular way and or or your grandparents or um things like that so, yeah no I'm a yeah I'm a trailblazer for sure mm -hmm. um so I'm mixed because people are not going to be able to know that just hearing me um <laughs> I'm mixed um pretty pretty 50 50 um and have just like a little tiny bit of um indigenous native or mexican-american in there. Um, but no, I grew up in a very Christian, um, upbringing. My grandmother would take me to church, um, or I would go with my great grandmother and great grandfather, um, as a kid. So I grew up in the typical American experience. Mm -hmm. Um, there was no, there was not really any talk of ancestors really. I mean, I knew from my mom's side, um, that my great grandma was Polish first generation, um, that my great grandfather was English and Scottish probably. And some like, we didn't really talk about any of those things, nor, I mean, in Southern West Virginia, you don't really have access to any of these sorts of things, you know? Um, so I absolutely, during this process, had no idea what was happening. I thought something was really wrong with me. There were many times I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm dying because that, I mean, I looked terrible. I even look at pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, my skin was like, ugh, and just sunken eyes and terrible looking. Um, 
but the calling sickness is really meant to be like that kind of experience. It's meant to be so intense that you keep searching for answers, right? Like it's not enough to kill you. It's not going to do that, but it is enough to put some fire under your butt to go and search for answers in places that you wouldn't otherwise, right? So I didn't know that that was happening until um, like the very first month or two of my um, initiation with, um, you know, into the ancient Egyptian system where I had divination done. And so that divination first of all, told me that I was being called to become a priestess. Um, and in their connection, in their, in their system, there's a very uh, specific, it's a, it's a much more organized type of system than um, where I eventually ended up initiating. So it's just a very, it's a different structure, we'll say. So they understand the priesthood in one way, and there's a different way that that functions than um, the shamanic path. So I knew from divination that I eventually would become um, a priestess and a spiritual teacher of some sort. Um, I had, I thought like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe when I'm like 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, once I've, you know, raised my kid, done some things, you know, got lots of free time, maybe um, that will happen. So during that time, um, my very first initiation was about ancestors, was really about building that connection with and communication with ancestors as the foundation. So I had that for years under my belt before I ever went to South Africa for probably four years or so. Um, I took my initiation very seriously. Um, in our initiation, we had a process where you are doing what we call ablutions or spiritual cleansing twice a day, meditation um, and communication with your ancestors. It's a process of maybe... 45 minutes to an hour and we did it twice a day. Um, and so I did that for four years and there's also other things that kind of go along with that, that prepare you for that process. So I look at it now like hindsight 2020, right? I look back on it and I can see so obviously not only how I needed to have that foundation of understanding and connecting with my ancestors, but the more important thing that I got from that was the destruction of my Western paradigm, my, my Western way of thinking, and then reconstruction into how our, our ancient ancestors viewed the world and why. And that part was, that part was more brutal than some of the physical aspects of the initiation process for sure. Absolutely. Was it akin to like just seeing the matrix of the Western mind or kind of dissolving all of the constructs that you had learned throughout your life or does that yeah. sound familiar or how would you put it? Yeah, that's, that's essentially what it was. It was taking pillar by pillar of um, these things that we believe are truth. Mm -hmm. Like we take them as so true. We don't even call it a belief, right? These things that we just, the way that we just see the world. And so to have each one of those things, I mean, destroyed, but you're the one destroying it because now you're being offered this opportunity for there's, there's another perspective. And I learned how to see even beyond that. Um, and then looking at, okay, well, which one actually serves you, which perspective 
serves you as a woman? Which perspective serves you as um, whatever identity, right? There's certain things we take in to ourselves as if they are us Mm -hmm. and we will fight for them. But not realizing where these things come from and why they were created to begin with that isn't actually in our best interest. So, um, you know, we, you mentioned before about bringing the, the tradition into practical. Um, I would, I would say my practice right now is not even traditional at this point in time. I don't practice like, um, my spiritual mother hardly at all. Um, really now what I've done is I've started to look at and, and begin to understand the essence of why the mechanisms behind why we believe what we believe and how to kind of, um, master that to then create a more desirable, um, experience for not only the individual, but for their family and for their community and for all of us, because this is the work that we all really need to be doing. When you say this is the work that we all need to be doing, do you mean the work of seeing, um, uh, the words are escaping me, but basically seeing those pillars of the constructs that we've created for what they are and not as part of us. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Quick interruption. This episode of the res collective podcast is brought to you by and sponsored by the life design planner. The Life Design Planner is a planner that supports you in accessing your ancient wisdom and following your soul's purpose. I've been selling this planner for the past five years. I created it for myself and it's now become a co-creation with our community. Soulpreneurs, professionals, parents, wise ones, and anyone who has a long to-do list loves this life-changing planner. You can order your planner at therisecollective.org slash planner. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about how you work with people as a shaman and what are the, what are some of the themes that you see and some of the ways that you end up supporting your clients in your community? Yeah. Um, so I have, my calling really is as a teacher and as a teacher for, for many. Um, and so I have this, I wouldn't call it unique cause I'm sure that there's many people that do have it, but, um, my essence here is really mostly concerned with empowering people to really become their authentic self, become their essence, become the truth of who they really are. So um, most people, when we think of shaman, we think of like, you know, the shaman client relationship where the shaman's the practitioner, right? Um, At this stage, I'm not doing that much at all. Um, what I'm really doing is teaching and empowering others um, and teaching other practitioners these, these things. So I had to learn various practices, but as of now, um, if those things are needed, I just see them and I just do them. Um, but for the most part right now, um, I'm working on kind of two main pillars. So one, having an educational component where I have students and, um, and I'm mentoring people in um, developing their spiritual abilities, mastering their reality, creating abundance and freedom in their life. And then also 
Um, I'm in the, still in the developing side of things, but I really want to support spiritual practitioners. Um, so, so many people do come to me wanting individual sessions from me or wanting, you know, journeys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm building a network of people that I can share, you know, people who I, who I trust, who, um, I think are great and I'm super picky, um, (laughs) really, really picky. And, um, but eventually I want to have kind of a, um, a way that people can access really great practitioners that uh, have been my students. Mm-hmm. So those are your focuses, the two, those two pillars, it sounds like. Yeah. So those are mm-hmm. my two main focuses. Um, but then there's also some kind of like outlier things that I do. Um, so I do retreats, um, speaking a lot of speaking. Um, <laughs> and in the future, uh, there's, there'll be books and um, just party part the can't talk partnered with a, um, an agency who's going to be helping me with media and PR and all of those sorts of things. Gotcha. That's great. I'm feel excited for you hearing all the things that are in the hopper for you. It seems like, it seems like everything um, came together for you after you did your initiations and you did what they told you to do basically. Pretty much. And you know, for some people that I, um, that I'm connected with their initiation process. Of course, for any of us, it's really just the beginning, (laughs) which is crazy for us to like, we, it's so hard to even think about it like Mm -hmm. that, but it really is just the beginning. Um, For some people, they're here to do their ancestors work. Mm. They're here to, for their ancestors to continue, continue their work through them. Um, my role is a little bit different in that I did my ancestors work. So now my, my soul's essence can do what, what it came here to do, which is um, I wouldn't say it's a much bigger purpose because I'm still utilizing all of these um, beautiful gifts from all of my ancestors in that process. That's the way I'm able to work with various practitioners because this person may have this kind of spirit and I also have that kind of spirit. And so I can assist them in that way. So it's like we're this team (laughs) Mm -hmm. working together at the same time, but really here to create ultimately um, a new spiritual paradigm in the world that is based in our ancient ways, but for modern life. That is, I'm so on board with that. Yes. We need all of that. I could have, I have a very similar mission to that. So a new spiritual paradigm based in ancient ways. Is that what you said? Mhm. Yeah, what I'm um I'm just writing it down. And when you were speaking earlier about how you don't practice um the way that your spiritual mother practices. <clears throat> what came up for me was this thought about the new spiritual paradigm based in ancient ways. So you learned so much from your spiritual mother, I imagine, and you are creating this new paradigm and we're in a different world. Actually, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. I want to share it with you and, and bounce it off you. So this might, I I haven't said it out loud yet, but um, I was thinking about how we live in a 
completely different world from our parents, what our parents came up in. And our parents live in a completely different world from what their parents came up in. And kind of, and so on for maybe like one more generation. And, and then as we go back further, the, the amount of change decelerates mm-hmm. to where our ancient ancestors would have generations of people who had the same traditions and the same, um, the same world to come up in. And so that just, this idea just came up for me as, as we were speaking just now. And I'm curious if you have anything to add. No, you know what is so, um, what's so interesting about it is that's the, that is absolutely the case. We had like our ancient ancestors. If you think about it, there were not all of them because some of our ancient ancestors were traveling by ship for tens of thousands of years that was happening, but it wasn't everyone in those villages that was traveling. Right. And maybe they went as far as a a few villages away, right? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the case for literally generations. And so they would have these traditions um, that are absolutely amazing, incredible traditions. The challenge is, is that people think that the magic is the tradition, that it's in the tradition, but there's a science behind the tradition. There's a why. Now, usually the people in the village, they don't know why. It's just part of their culture. It's just they're busy farming every day, taking care of their everyday life. And you would have a small group of shamans or you would have a small group of priests, you know, the the ancient equivalent of a priest. I'm not meaning like a Catholic priest. Um, It's a very different thing. (laughs) Very, (laughs) very different thing. Um, But those would be the ones who understood the science behind why we're doing these things. And not everyone had the time, not everyone had the resources to be able to do that. So the shamans would create these various uh, rituals. I say, quote unquote, create, but that's not really how it completely works. There's because of the connection that that person has with spirit Um, we go and retrieve it and then bring it back to the people essentially Mm -hmm. is what's happening. We're not just making it up. Um, We go and retrieve it. We bring it back to the people. So the people then are doing their traditions and getting all of the benefit from those traditions. And they don't know why they're doing them. So now we're in a time period where, okay, we don't have like, Who's farming right now? Most people are not farming. Some people may have gardens. (laughs) You know, most people don't have um, the time even really to really dive in. I mean, I was traveling back and forth to Africa. I spent well over six figures in my process. Um, I took my son with me as a toddler. I left him behind as a child, like, I would leave him for a month in order to do this work. This was not an easy thing. And, and I don't think, I don't even think most people should do it. It's kind of crazy. But what I can do is now having that understanding of why the meaning behind why certain things happen. And I didn't get that from, I'll just be very clear. I didn't get that from, Um, going through ceremonies myself. I went through that in a very different way where the long story short is that I essentially went to another realm for about a year and spent a year under the water in training, learning these things. And so now I come back and I bring that. And that's what I'm here creating in this, in this realm utilizing that understanding of why the science behind the science behind 
okay, in this ceremony, uh, why do the people turn around seven times? And, and what, does, what is that doing in their, in their brain? Or why are we using, um, you know, a certain type of imagery of painting on the face? Because that's communi communicating something to the psyche of the person. So now we're in 2020. Maybe some people will be listening to this in 2021 and 2022, right? And so on and so forth. But now understanding if you understand why those things were being used and what that meant to that person's psyche, now you can say, okay, what is the psyche of somebody now? And what is the process that makes sense for that person? Otherwise, because what we have right now is just a lot of theater. Mm. It's a lot. It's just a lot of theater and people want theater. They want it's like entertainment or like, oh, it, it feels like something otherworldly or it feels exotic. You'll notice like most of the time you see me, I just look other than maybe my very magnetic locks. Um, I dress like everyone else. I do have my, you know, my beads and whatnot, but I don't do theater. I don't do, mm. um, I don't do things for show because it doesn't have the same meaning to a person. If I'm, if in the traditions we were using um, feathers for something, right? And the people had this deep ingrained relationship with this bird. This is just an example, but they had this deep relationship with this bird. Um, then that really means something to the people. So, in 2020, what does that look like? Rather than this bird, what is, what is that? What is the, the process? An iPhone. And I felt, right? I mean, <laughs> what, what, it, it's Probably all about the, thing to say. <laughs> but it's about like, what does the, what's the meaning to, to the individual, to the right. person? Them. What is their perspective? And so it does become kind of this, um, you really have to understand how people work and why they do the things that they do and their patterns and all of that. Because if you understand, understand their patterns, then you can understand how to disrupt those patterns and then help them create a new one. Yes. Wow. I'm just letting that all sink in. Um, this is the first time I've talked about this, I think, on a podcast. Wow. <laughs> I feel proud <laughs> to hear that. Um, it seems so important to me to have this understanding of the psyche and what's important to people now versus people a thousand years ago or 500 years ago, whatever it is. And one of my friends calls this what you're talking about for show. She calls it a medicine show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's definitely something that happens in the, in the new agey type communities. Um, it's, kind of, it's all about persona and personal brand in, in the matrix that we live in. And so I'm curious, well, we're kind of running out of time, but I am curious if you want to answer this or if you have an interest in answering it, feel free not to. Um, I'm curious if you could speak a little more about the... not if you could speak a little more about the medicine show that you don't subscribe to, like, <laughs> is there any part of you that like wants to wear some sort of regalia or, or have you ever had an experience where someone questions your appearance in that way or anything like that? 
Yeah. I mean, I would say that I do still wear some of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I've always got my, my um, bracelets on that I, that are unique to me and I have my goat skins on, which most people have no idea that they're even goat skins. Um, and those stay on me all the time. Um, and occasionally I do wear certain things. Um, if I was, if I had a certain calling and I was called to, um, be required to wear those things, I absolutely would. Um, the issue is not, so here's, there's, it's it's kind of like this weird paradox that I struggle with. I'm just going to keep it real. I struggle with it because, um, Part of me is a rebel. I'm a rebel at heart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do find myself rebelling against things that I shouldn't even, like, I don't even need to rebel against. Um, But my ancestors have shown me and told me that I'm here to not be putting on a medicine show. And um, when I hold ceremony or when I am doing ritual I don't need much. I don't use much. I use water and a candle and maybe incense. Maybe. Sometimes I won't even use those things and still have the effect because it's about the mastery of energy. It's not about the tools. The tools are nice. The tools are helpful, right? But at this stage, I've become the tool. So I use myself. Um, The problem with the medicine show, though, is all someone has to do is dress like a clown and you think that they're a clown. And so what we have right now is a lot of people, they don't understand or know how to recognize an authentic healer or an authentic spiritual teacher because the, that muscle of discernment isn't there. The muscle of discernment isn't there because we're, we love, you know, like an Instagram worthy life or we love to, we love the clout. We love the clout of saying I went and did a ceremony in uh, in Peru and here's some pictures, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it looked like this, it looked like the real thing, right? So then it only has to look like the real thing and people buy in there, but it's, it doesn't have to be the real thing. And that's not to say that people that are actually still, you know, utilizing their tools, their dress and all of those things that it's not authentic to them. It absolutely can be authentic, but people can get so caught up in how it looks that they miss the actual medicine because it's all about the theater and, um, the fun of it and the, and the, um, how things look, the, the superficial, let's call it that this, the very superficial, but none of the actual transformation um, that's underneath. And so just the way that I roll is um, very simple, but very impactful because everyone is hyper-stimulated. We've got gadgets going all the time. We've got, you know, a to-do list a mile long. We got... Netflix with 8 million options and you know, like it's just a lot and people chase it, but I'm here for the people who recognize that none of that is actually creating transformation in their life and that it's about the depth. It's about the depth. And sometimes theater gets in the way of the depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said it's about the depth, I was reminded of what you were speaking about earlier with the 45 minutes twice, 45 minutes to an hour twice a day, and how you said you went into that realm and 
you're bringing back that wisdom that you gained in that depth to the people. Right. And I think I should also just be very clear too, in that I never wanted to become a shaman. Like that was not a thing at all. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to, I got business skills. I'm going to go run a business. I'm going to, my life is just going to be smooth sailing easy, right? This is not what I wanted for myself or, or expected. And so even when I started on my spiritual journey, it was not about anything. It was not about me going out and building something. It wasn't about me becoming a spiritual teacher or, ooh, maybe one day I'll be able to do that. Um, Literally, what I said to my husband that very first day and what was true to my heart was, I believe that if I go down this road, that I'm going to become the best mom and the best wife I could be. That was it. That was all I wanted. And that was where the depth, that's, that's where the depth and the non-attachment that I still carry within me. So that keeps me um, from, I won't say that it never comes up because I'm human, still have an ego. Um, That's always going to be a thing, but I can call myself back into this space of, um, I'm not attached to how it has to look or how it has to go or, or what I think it means about me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those things, those challenges have come up and I've had to just call myself back to um, the non-attachment of, am I a bad person if, I, if I'm not doing this in the traditional way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I get caught up in that, then I can't serve in the role that my own ancestors push me to serve in, right? So those little head games, the ego aspect of us um, can be a big block, but also put us into some really destructive cycles, not only for ourselves, but also for others if we don't recognize when it's popping up. Mm-hmm. When you're speaking about non-attachment here, and I'm curious if trust is another way for you to talk about that. Like, Yeah, trust is definitely a thing, but the trust, here's another thing that I think a lot of people misconstrue or or misunderstand about trust. Um, The trust is not about like, oh, I trust that that I'm going somewhere wonderful or great and that, oh, one day this is all going to pay off for me. No, I trust that in each and every present moment, I have the power within myself to choose to be happy, feel abundant, feel free, um, all of those things, regardless of the external circumstances. So if I make this choice, as soon as I make the choice, all right, well, I made the choice and I trust that I'm going to be okay because I'm going to choose to be okay. It's not a trust. It's not even a trust in like my own ancestors. There, there's, that's an, a different type of relationship. It's like this knowing, but the trust is really in myself, mm. which is also the ancestors, but that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> I think we might need to do another episode because I feel like I could talk to you for a few more hours here. This has been so deep. You're talking about depth and we came in here with no attachment to how it would go and we went really deep. So I feel really grateful for you giving me and the listeners some time today and I'd love for you to share where they can find you and anything about your offers that you want to share. Yeah. Um, So the thing that I recommend for most people is to take a few minutes, literally like two minutes 
and take the consciousness quiz that I created. And um, I've got, got the link to you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they'll be able to show notes. Okay, great. So they'll be able to find it there. But the conscious quiz is so important because it's going to help you determine the level that the level of awareness that you have about yourself. And you can only be um, embodied and fulfilled and, and in your purpose as much as you are aware of self. So that's a super critical quiz. And there's also a bonus activation to help people step into um, the, next, the next stage. So they can do that. They can also find me on um, Instagram, at The Royal Shaman, YouTube, The Royal Shaman, um, or my website, theroyalshaman.com. Pretty simple. Great. Thank you so much. I love your YouTube videos. They're really meaty, just so you all know that her YouTube videos are really meaty, and there's a lot more wisdom bombs in there, so go check out the YouTube. I'll put all those links in the show notes and I'll say thank you again. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Rise Collective podcast. If you got value out of this, I love it when people take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Just make sure to tag me, Carrie Jordan. I hope that this podcast and this interview inspires you. That's the whole point. (laughs) I'm going to put any relevant links in the show notes on therisecollective.org. That's where you can also find past episodes, my blog, products for sale, including the life design planning and different offerings. Um, While you're there, you can also download the free guide to feminine folk magic and the rhythms of the earth. This is my absolute favorite thing to teach about and to talk about. <laughs> Hundreds of women have used this method, the rise effect, to weave magic into their lives. It's a simple guide and it's going to help you move forward towards your soul purpose. I often do Patreon bonuses for the episodes, so if you heard that there's a bonus in this episode, go to patreon.com and become a patron. It's you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. And that's where I provide codes and giveaways and all kinds of bonus materials. If you love the show, please consider supporting its production at patreon.com slash rise collective. I offer lots of exclusive content and it will help me Um, create this body of work, there are costs associated with this project. And if you believe that the voices of our elders need a platform to reach more people, please become a patron. It's really worth your while. Thank you. And please subscribe in whatever app you listen to podcasts. I so appreciate you leaving a review so that the show can reach more people. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to to next time.